Welcome back to CrimeFiction.fm, where we bring the authors of today's best mysteries and suspense novels directly to you. I'm your host, Stephen Campbell, and I'm here today with John L. Monk, the author of Thief's Odyssey. John, welcome. Hey, good to be here. It's a pleasure to finally chat with you. You and I have communicated via email and Facebook and practically every digital method uh, possible. And I'll tell listeners that I read your your book, Thief's Odyssey. I read it only because it was written by someone I consider to be a friend. I had no expectations at all, and I absolutely loved it. So, oh. um, and and you know that. So I'm not I'm not telling you anything that you don't know. But I want to let listeners know that I really really enjoyed the book. I like this genre of sort of crime fiction from the perspective of the criminal, and uh, this was very well done. So let's let's get things rolling by uh, you giving us a little overview of Thief's Odyssey. Well, thank you very much for reading it, and I'm really happy that you liked it. And I feel the same way when I, you know, read friends' work. I go with no expectations, and you know, it's always great when they're when I when I like it. Well, Thief's Odyssey, uh, it's as you said, it's a story told from perspective of a criminal. Um, it's about a a guy named Bo Mosley who grew up as a foster kid. Um, and he always idolized cat burglars and criminals and uh, people who were sort of like the ultimate outsiders, just like he felt about himself. Uh, he grew up with a, um, a millionaire heiress who had raised like maybe a hundred different uh, foster kids. She, you know, she's an interesting woman. She has a private detective agency, all her own, that's dedicated to following around all the various foster children that she has raised to sort of keep them out of trouble. And that's where it, the book takes off. You know, Bo gets right off of a case where he goes and picks up some illegally intercepted gold through the U.S. mail. And uh, basically, she, her detective agency took a bunch of pictures and she confronts him with it. And then his past catches up with him. Now, Bo's a little bit of a technologist. You're a little bit of a technologist as well, as I understand it. That's right. Um, how, how big a part did technology play in deciding to write this particular novel? Well, a huge part. Um, and it, I got my degree in cultural anthropology, which is kind of weird because I went into IT. <laughs> um, but uh, I, worked, I work as a systems administrator, and I've managed a bunch of mail servers at various times. And uh, I... I'll just tell you right now, um, anything that you put on a mail, you know, through Gmail or Yahoo or anything like that, it's all stored in plain text on servers somewhere, not encrypted. Uh, and anybody who works in IT, you know, it, and, and manages that stuff could actually go and read it. And it just sort of occurred to me because I like to think about I like to think about things that probably normal people don't think about, like breaking a law, even though I don't mm. break the law. And I thought. Anybody who orders gold online gets their mail delivery dates through the email. And, you know, if you were a criminal, criminally minded, you could kind of be at the house to intercept it. Um, A lot of people just wait for the little stickers and then they go and pick it up at the the post office. Um, But 
you know, Bo's there waiting in your house. <laughs> it was a really yeah. clever start to the book, and it, it, it got me thinking, because I, of course, even though I've been in, in the technology business for years, I always assumed that if you sent something through email, that it, it was stored securely somewhere. So that was a, a bit of a shock to me, and I'm even more dismayed to hear you say that that's common practice. Yeah, it's common practice. It takes too much CPU power to, uh, to basically encrypt all that stuff. Uh, it, they encrypt the um, the transmission of the email to your computer from the server, but I'll just tell you, you know, I worked for very very large ISPs, and uh, the practice at the ISPs I worked at, uh, you know, they didn't they didn't encrypt it on the back end. Um, the other stuff about uh, the other technology is there's some electronics in the in the story where mm-hmm. he, you know, he overcomes burglary alarms, and there's uh, definitely the the technology of locks and safes which I get into kind of exhaustively. And I'll, I'll just say that I break kind of a rule in writing and that I'm, I'm writing sort of looking for a specific type of reader, someone who's really interested in what it's actually like to be a criminal, to mm-hmm. be a master cat burglar, and to go and break into things in a way that's very realistic and heavily researched. Um, I do it, hopefully, and tell an engaging story. Um, you're, you like the book. I'm sure people appreciate your opinion. Uh, <laughs> You know, trying to merge those two worlds like that, you know, reality and storytelling was very, very difficult. And uh, but I think that I pulled it off. Yeah, I think you did, too. And there were instances in the book where you were getting into specific details of things like breaking into locks and things like that. And I was reminded of some of Barry Eisler's work. And uh, yeah, I, I really like his John Rain series. I don't know if you've read it or not, but but he goes into a lot of detail with some of that. And, and that just adds such a, a flavor to the book. And it's one of the things that I liked most about it. How, how did you actually do the research for this? Did, you know, were you out breaking into houses at night or anything like that? Yes. <laughs> no, no, I wasn't. I wasn't breaking houses. Well, I didn't have to research any of the computer stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, I got, I, I lucked into that. In fact, I had to tone that down. I mean, I got down to the command line commands he was writing and I was like, what are you doing? And I backed that out quite a bit. But uh, as far as uh, thiefy research, as I call it, I, I did. I read um, "Confessions of a Master uh, Jewel Thief," uh, the biography of Bill Mason. And I'll tell you guys right now, your readers, or sorry, your listeners, that's a great book. It's a biography. Um, it's about Bill Mason, uh, the cat burglar who was operating in the '70s and '80s. Um, but that wasn't my only book. I read a bunch of locksmith uh, books, uh, lock picking, safe cracking type books. You know, legal stuff, just like, oh, this is curious. You know, I, somebody wrote a book on it. I um, I interviewed a locksmith, and I'll tell you, that was one of the most uncomfortable interviews I've ever had. Uh, I show up at the guy's shop, and I go, hey, I want to know how to break into stuff. Would you care to tell me? Uh, it wasn't quite like that. Um, I watched a bunch of YouTube videos. It's mm-hmm. surprising. Anything you can possibly want to see these days is demonstrated on YouTube. So I like that quite a bit. This yeah. is this is sort of a niche subgenre. The the idea of writing the book from the criminal's perspective. There are some some very well known series uh, where this is done. Why did you decide to take this approach? Well, I guess I don't know a lot about the legal side of things. I don't know what it would be like to write a. Uh, a criminal story from a lawyer's perspective, for example, because uh-huh. I'm not a lawyer, nor a detective story, because I've never worked on anything with the police. But 
you know, I, I've been in situations where I could make amends if I was just, if I didn't have a conscience, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, and anybody, anybody can sort of imagine breaking into a house and it doesn't take much more to think, well, I could break into a house by researching how to pick a lock and I could break into a house picking a lock and overcoming an alarm. So you look up an alarm company's website and you sort of see how they do stuff. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't that difficult from a research perspective. <clears throat> the other thing is, is I've always sort of had a larcenous sort of alter ego in my mind. I love movies about criminals and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's easy to write stuff that you're interested in. Um, I love The Godfather because he gets away with it in the end, for example. <laughs> you know, all the other mob movies, uh, they always get caught. All the drug movies like Blow and stuff like that, they always end up using their own stuff. They get too big for their britches, and then they end up spending a bunch of time in jail. Are, are you a fan of this particular subgenre? Is it something that you read, or is it more something that you enjoy from a movie perspective? I definitely read it. Um, one of my favorite stories is The Lies of Locke Lamora. That's a, a fantasy novel written from the perspective of a thief and a group of thieves called the Gentleman Bastards. Um, I love movies like caper movies and mob movies and stuff like that. I like Dexter, the show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I only like it because he kills bad guys, by the way. And I don't approve of vigilanteism in real life. But from a story perspective, pure make-believe, it's great. Why do you think that readers find this genre appealing? Why, readers like me, why do you think people like me find this genre so appealing? When I saw the title to your book and I knew that you'd written it, I thought, I bet I'm going to like this. Well, that actually is very comforting because um, uh, from a marketing perspective, that's what you want. You want people to look at it and say, wow, that's the book for me. Mm-hmm. And I think people like it because it gives them a sense of power. They sit in traffic every day. They're looking you know, at a sea of headlights you know, when they come home at night. And they like the idea that there's this, there's this force out there that's sort of rising above it you know, and not sitting in traffic, kind of out there doing what they need to do. And kind of move, you know, I don't know, just a sense of power. You know, we like the Godfather because he doesn't, the the law doesn't control him. The other criminals don't control him. He controls all that. Mm -hmm. So people like that. And also the sense of the hunt, the chase, the hunt for Red October. You know, everybody loves a cat and mouse chase. Um, It's what humans do. You know, it's how we play. We play guns and robbers, you know, cops and robbers when we're children. Um, The most interesting thing on television is the conflict. And there's nothing more conflicted than a young man who idolizes cat burglars and breaks into houses and takes people's stuff. So, All right. One last question on the book, and then I want to get off onto a different topic really quickly. You chose a – I think it was the Bahamas where a, a good bit of, of, of the story took place. Why, why did you select that particular location? You know, this is going to sound kind of boring. It's just because I've been there. Okay. All right. Well, that's good. It's actually a good answer. Yeah, I've been there. And um, I also noticed that they have a very large uh, hotel there called the Atlantis. Mm-hmm. Now, it's called the Poseidon in the book because I don't want to get sued. I noticed that there's this wonderful bridge suite. It's called the bridge suite at the Atlantis Hotel and in, uh, in the Bahamas. And it's this $25,000 a night uh, suite that spans between these two towers. And uh, Bo Mosley wants to break into that, only I call it like the royal suite uh, mm-hmm. in the book. 
And I thought I thought it would be really interesting to have him kind of. I mean, you read the book. I don't know if I should give away. Yeah, that don't don't give away much. Let's just say that that that's that particular scene is uh, awesome. Oh, thanks. <laughs> All right. Now, you went uh, outside your normal genre for this. So first, tell listeners what your normal genre is and and a little bit about those books and then why you decided to deviate for this one. I wish other I wish someone would tell me what my normal genre is. I wrote a a book called Kick. It's sort of a mix between Odd Thomas, Dexter, um, maybe a little Robert B. Parker. Uh, it's like a dark fantasy mystery slash romance slash uh, something. I don't know uh, about a guy who dies and, you know, comes back to life uh, in the bodies of bad people. And he has to figure out what they've done because he only has three weeks. So I don't know what you call that. Um, and now, as far as jumping genres, I did that because I didn't really know better when I wrote Thief's Odyssey at the time. I didn't know you weren't supposed to jump genres. And then I had written this book, and I was like, well, what am I supposed to do? And I, I could have published it under a pen name, but then I wouldn't be able to use my mailing list for John L. Monk. Mm-hmm. You know, so, and I, 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 you know, I, I still work. Uh, if your readers buy my books, maybe that'll <laughs> change, or listeners. But, um, yeah, so I, I kind of did it out of a sense of, I guess, ignorance, you know, and also maybe a little laziness and uh, being economical with um, my fans that I – picked up through the Jenkins cycle of Kick and Fool's Ride. And and what's been the response from them about this particular book? Uh, well, one of my readers came over and she wrote a review and she really liked it. Um, I don't know. It's uh, My mailing list didn't really pick up on it the way I would have liked. Mm-hmm. I think that they want, you know, they want more, they want more of the dark fantasy mystery slash possibly romance slash et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so, you know, I'm, I guess I'm probably looking for a different kind of group of people, you know, maybe people who will jump from the thief book mm-hmm. over to the dark fantasy book rather than the other way. It's interesting. Um, there, We have all these rules in publishing, especially people who self-publish. Uh, and there are rules, like you said, you know, if you start a series, you just keep writing that series. You feed your you feed your list. And if you go off genre, it's a problem. But there are some people who do it very successfully. It, but it's a challenge, isn't it? Yeah, it is. You know, on the one hand, you know, well, the good news is that um, the research that I'm doing in the thief story actually helps me and the kick stories uh, mm-hmm. because he's you know he actually does have to break into houses too but often it's things like to get food because he's a homeless guy he shows up in the body of a an evil homeless guy or something like that so you know that's that helps okay john it's been great talking to you what's the best way for readers to keep up with your work well you can go to my website it's john-l-monk.com uh, I also like people to send me direct email. I, I'm, I like email. So john.l.monk1, that's the number one, uh, dot, uh, at gmail.com. And you can also get me on Twitter. That's the at sign John L. Monk, all one word. And for people that go to your website, you've got a nice email list. You mentioned that during the show. Um, it, it would be great to subscribe to that email list. Yeah, it's called the New Releases Newsletter because I don't want to spam you all the time and and tell you, hey, I just had coffee and things like that. So you're only going to hear about me, you know, from me if I 
have a new book or something to, to pimp out. <laughs> and I, I will say that for people who go to your website, you're a big supporter of indie, indie publishing in general. You put the spot, you shine your spotlight on as many people uh, as you can when you find work that you really enjoy. So that's something that I appreciate about what you do with your website. This is Stephen Campbell for CrimeFiction.fm. You can find us on iTunes and on the web at www.CrimeFiction.fm. If you are an iTunes listener, please subscribe and give us a rating or a review. Those help other crime fiction readers find great new books like John L. Monk's Thief's Odyssey. Thanks for listening.